purpose of this teaching isn't to correct any problems that I know of or that I've seen. It's just simply to make sure we're on the same page to prevent any potential problems that could go wrong with laying on of hands, and things could go wrong with that. All right, another reason is our congregation is growing, and this type of ministry is likely to continue and increase. You may be here tonight thinking, oh, not me. I'm not going to lay hands on anybody, but you don't know. The Lord may grow you in such a way in six months, you'll just jump at the chance to pray for somebody. Let the Lord use you. Another reason is Ephesians 4 says that pastors, evangelists, teachers are called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The ministers, in reality, the ministers in this church, if you understand ministry as a function and not a position, ministry is a function and not a position, it's a, it's a verb more than it is an adjective. It's a function. If you understand that, then you'd see that the members of the church are the ministers. And the leaders of the church are to equip the saints for ministry. And so tonight, we're just attempting to equip you, to encourage you, to edify you in this ministry, to go for it more and let God use you mightily. All right, number four. Another reason for this teaching tonight is if there is anything that can help us to improve in this area, we should do it. You know, there's nothing more unattractive than somebody who knows everything and they're unteachable and they don't want to learn anything different. And sometimes we do things certain ways and don't even know why. We just kind of develop a tradition. And so if there's anything we can do to help improve tonight, if anything I share tonight kind of hits you between the eyes and you think, you know, I could improve in that area, improve in that area. Improve, become better. Another reason for this teaching is we want the love of God to find its destination through us. Bottom line, that's what ministry is, is the love of God finding its destination. We don't want to get all technical. Am I getting a word of knowledge or am I getting a word of wisdom or am I getting a prophecy for this person? Just go and love them and let love find its destination. The love of God that's in your heart, let it flow through you to them. That's what ministry is. We want that to happen with as little distraction as possible. A whole lot more of Jesus is better than a whole lot more of me. Another reason for this teaching is God is going to use you mightily in this. Just, just repeat that for me. God is going to use me mightily in the ministry with the laying on of hands. And, of course, another reason for this teaching is there is such a thing as the doctrine of laying on of hands. And so tonight, that's, this is a little bit of what we're doing. You could take years and study it out. It's all over the Bible. Take that up as a project, all right? Purposes for the laying on of hands. Generally, in the New Testament, I see five purposes for which the laying on of hands is exercised. It's to minister blessing. Jesus did this. He'd pick up the children, put his hands on them, and bless them. And when you pray for someone, whatever you're praying for them about, bottom line, you are blessing them. You're showing them love. You're showing them concern. And you are praying that God touches them and does something significant in their life. Another purpose for the laying on of hands is to minister the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, in Acts chapter 2, they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit spontaneously. In Acts chapter 8, they didn't. The apostles came down from Jerusalem and laid hands on them that they could receive. 
The Apostle Paul, he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the laying on of hands by Ananias. In Acts 19, Paul laid hands on the disciples of John the Baptist. They received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with tongues and prophecy. I do want to say this. As a church, we do not officially push the belief that unless you speak in tongues, you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Generally, that's what happens most of the time, but not always. When Peter stood up to explain what was happening in Acts chapter 2, he quoted Joel chapter 2. And Joel chapter 2 said nothing about tongues. It said prophecy, visions, dreams, signs, and wonders were the evidence. And in Acts 2, they did speak in tongues. In Acts 8, it doesn't say what, what they did when they received the baptism, but a magician wanted to pay money for that ability to lay hands and see the baptism come. In Acts 10, they spoke in tongues and magnified God. In Acts 19, I think it was 12 disciples of John the Baptist, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And I don't know what that means, all of them, but I have found since I changed my belief in this area. I used to believe, man, unless you talk in tongues, you don't have it. Once I change my belief in this area, it is much easier to minister the baptism of the Holy Spirit to people. I think there's something about telling people they have to do something that makes them feel like they're not going to be able to. Just man, make them open to receive the Lord and pray with them. Help them in whatever way the Lord leads you to. But you let God be God and baptize them however He wants to. Biblically, there are several signs that a person is baptized in the Spirit. Another purpose for the laying on of hands is to minister healing. In Mark chapter 16, he said, These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And so it's used in the ministry of healing. It's used to minister spiritual gifts. Paul told Timothy to stir up the gifts that was in him through the laying on of hands. Another place he wrote to uh, the readers of his letter, I wish that I could see you so that I could impart spiritual gifts to you. And the fifth and final reason I see in the New Testament, there may be other reasons, is to consecrate or commission. The word consecrate means to dedicate something. When children are born, we lay hands on them and consecrate ourselves and consecrate them for the purposes of God. I believe in laying hands on your house and consecrating it for the purposes of the Lord. Laying hands on your car. It's also used for commissioning. You know, if kids leave here to go to Bible school, we lay hands on them and bless them and send them in the name of the Lord. This is a biblical thing that we see throughout Acts and, and the New Testament. All right, principles for the laying on of hands. Number one, when you lay hands on someone, always get the person's permission before laying your hands on them. Always do that. A few years ago, we had a member of the church lay hands on a visitor without their permission, and the visitor thought, this guy's trying to save me against my will, and the visitor left, never has come back. So it can scare them. Another reason you want their permission is if you're going to exercise spiritual authority, you need for someone to give you that authority. You only have as much authority as people allow you to exercise. In one place in the Gospels, Jesus could do no mighty work because of the unbelief. They didn't receive his authority. So as a minister, as a Christian who is, is ministering to someone, they've got to allow you to minister to them. And there may be some rare occasion where God tells you to do it anyway, but you make sure God has told you to do it. 
One time, years ago, a vet laid hands on a girl who was coming out of witchcraft. Laid hands on her without her permission. She said, can I lay hands on you? The girl said, oh, no. And that did anyway. And she instantly became sick. I thought, oh, it's just a coincidence. A couple days later, she says, can you pray for me? And she was laying in the bathtub, just sick. And so I prayed for her and said, Lord, if this is some kind of demonic attack that came through, if they're laying hands on someone without their permission, we command this spirit of sickness to leave now. And as soon as I said now, the light cover above the bathtub fell in the water. I mean, just never happened before, never happened since. Boom. So get their permission so as not to scare them and also so you can get the authority to minister to them if they grant it to you. If it's a little child, you need to get the parents' permission. You know, if, the, if they send them up front in a service, then you have their permission to minister. Now, what we're talking about here isn't just laying on of hands in the church. The church is the learning place. You're out in the marketplace and wherever opportunities exist to minister, lay hands in the power of the Spirit. Go for it. Remember that this is called the laying on of hands. Now, there's nothing happening in the church that would make me say what I'm about to say. But I tell you, with the incredible things that were happening with the youth Sunday night, I think it's good timing that if this is going to become more and more of a norm in our church, that when we get zealous, we could maybe do the leaning on of hands, the pressing on of hands. It's not the shaking of the hands, the rubbing of the hands, the massaging of the hands, the pushing of the hands, the pressing of the hands, the tickling of the hands. It's just simply the laying on of hands. It's simple. You do anything else, it could become a distraction from them receiving. They're thinking, what's he doing? You know. And if God does shake them, and you're doing this, they're going to think, he's, he's doing it. You know. And if they fall and hit the floor, you don't want them thinking, well, they pushed me. Right? You want them to know it was the Lord. This is real elementary, but we're laying a foundation here. This practice is to be accompanied by prayer and or proclamation. A proclamation is similar to what Jesus said to, to somebody he was ministering to. Be healed. Just speak healing. Just proclaim the word of the Lord, the promises of God to them. Pray. The ministry isn't complete just laying your hands on them. They're going to wonder, now what's going on? What's going on? Is their vibe supposed to be shooting through their hands? You know, I don't know. That can happen. It can happen. But the purpose, I believe, of laying on of hands is as the body of Christ. He's the head. We're the body. And our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the representatives of God touching them, showing them love. And if power does shoot through your hands like a laser gun, then great. That's fine. That's fine. But the purpose is to communicate love and care. So express that love through prayer and proclamation. Number four, this is real important. Do not touch anyone inappropriately. You may not do it on purpose, but in this day and time, with immorality running like crazy, with homosexuality going on like crazy, and lesbianism on the increase, you touch someone in the wrong place, it could distract them, you know. Is this guy gay? You know, imagine you're getting prayed for and this guy's rubbing your tummy, you know. 
is this guy gay? You know, is he going to go any lower? You know, uh, no hands below the belt. You know. So this is the zone. If, if I had some masking tape and a volunteer, I'd run masking tape from a person's fingertips all the way up their arm, up their shoulder, over their head, around their ears, and back down the other arm. The zone for touching them, I believe, for the laying on of hands, should be, and I'll explain why, the top of the head, the side or sides of the head, the shoulders, the outer arms, or the hands, either side of the hands. The safety for this is the inner arm is, is, is next to their torso. Now, if you're praying for a tumor, you know they got a big, you know they got a stomach tumor, have them lay their hands on their stomach and then you lay your hands on it. If their husband or wife is with you, have them lay their hands on it. And then you lay your hand on their hands and then minister. Does this make sense? So, a reason for not laying hands on their face is, you know, sometimes our hands could get an odor and we wouldn't know it. I had a lady lay hands on me one time right on my face and she'd been at work all day and came straight from work to the deal. And I was appalled when I found out later she was a nurse. You know. And she ministered love to me, but it was just kind of a distraction. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? You're, you're trying to think on the Lord. You're trying to receive and... Uh, uh, I wish she wouldn't do that. You know, and I'd start thinking other things. So there's just distractions to communicating the love of God. Another reason for laying hands on top of the head and not the front of the head is if they do start swaying and your hand follows them and they, they, they want to catch their balance and, and come back, your hands there, they can't come back. They'll feel manipulated if they fall because of that. So lay hands on the top or the side of their head and if they fall out, that's fine. Now, it doesn't always happen, but it does happen. Now, I don't want us to be legalistic, and from now on, when you watch those TV preachers, you think, my God, he's not doing it right. Just, just for us here, you know, God's using those guys, and it's not in our position to judge, okay? But, you know, Brother Tent Revival does it his way, and when you're at his revivals, you can do it that way. But here, we just ask that you lay hands on the top of the head, the sides of the head, or the shoulders, or the outer arms or hands. Does that make sense? So that they can receive the laying on of hands without any lies from the enemy. And I don't believe anyone in this church would intentionally lay hands inappropriately. All right, number five. This is real important. When praying, pray the answer and not the problem. Cry out to God with faith. Now, what do I mean when I pray the answer? Let's say you're praying for someone with a problem of fear. What's the answer to fear? Faith. But even more so than that, the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. So faith and love are the answer to fear. So instead of spending all your time yelling at a spirit of fear and ministering in fear, you're going to do a number on that person. Just minister Love to them. Lord, just fill my brother or my sister up with your love. I ask you to, to give them a revelation that you love them, that you accept them, that they are safe in your care, that the story is not over. Because that's what you're wanting is the answer. Pray the answer. Many times when we get a word of knowledge, we think that's what we're supposed to pray. 
No, that's just the problem. Pray the answer. Turn, turn your thing inside out. Recently, we had a new member prayed over by a visitor. And when the visitor got done, this new member came to me and said, Man, I must be in bad shape. You know, well, what do you mean? Well, this person prayed the problem. Just pray the problem. Pray the answer. Turn your prayer inside out. Instead of cursing the darkness, shine the light. I know a pastor, man. He just, when he prays for you, it's like, You foul spirit. From hell, take your fangs out of my brother and your fucking tongue out of his ears. And it's like, okay, tell that to him, but don't be telling it to me. I don't need visions of that. <laughs> it's the truth. I'm not making it up. I curse you, you foul viper of the devil. It's like, man, pray the answer. Pray the answer. Pray the answer. This is a reason not to rush. Now, the verse that Paul told Timothy to not lay hands on someone suddenly deals with laying on of hands for the purpose of commissioning them. In other words, don't lay hands on someone to pray for them to receive a leadership position before you know who they are. Don't lay hands on someone suddenly. But it's good to not just lay hands on someone just all of a sudden, but just wait on the Lord for direction. You know, what's the problem? Okay, and then just pray in your heart and think, Lord, what does this person need? Otherwise, you lay hands on them and you start praying the problem. Oh, God, my brother's suffering with fear. He probably isn't sleeping good at night. If you don't heal him of this, he's going to get an ulcer. So, Lord, I just ask you to, you know, just think, you know, he probably, I'm, I'm going to, I feel led to pray God's love over you and then just pray the answer. Does that make sense? It doesn't have to. We're not talking about being graphic and, and sound like you've got 13 degrees. We're just talking about the love of Jesus, the answer. Number six. Once again, this is not, this is not reflection on anyone. But we just need to say this. And this is on a tape. And uh, those people that aren't here, we're going to encourage them to get the tape. Good hygiene is a must. Breath mints are helpful too. If they fall on the floor, you don't want them to think, now, was that God or was I just, did I have about all that breath I could stand? You know? And I know we all brush our teeth, but in the morning we need help. And so uh, what I keep in my car is, is Altoids or, or on the way to church I get some Tic Tacs and I just put some in my pocket or put some in your purse. And when it's time to minister, you want to pray? And stick one of these babies in your mouth. Lord, I just ask you to use me. On your way. Just do it. One day when we do have our own place, we're going to have a Tic Tac machine in the lobby. Trust me. We're going to have it. Because God's going to use us. Amen? Now, I'm not a real good example of good hygiene. I left the house clean today, but I've been out on the land half the day and Covered in a light layer of dust. And if I prayed for you and stomped my foot in excitement, you might get a whiff of something that could be an obstruction to your receiving from the Lord. We want the love of God to find its destination with as little distraction as possible. Okay? All right, number seven. 
This is real important. Apply these principles to yourself. I don't want to push legalism where we, where we become self-appointed judges and we're policing each other. You know, brother, you touch their neck. You know, just don't worry about it. But if you see something grossly violated, you know, like a guy's going to punch somebody in the stomach, get somebody in authority, somebody in leadership in the church, and say, I think something's going on that, that may not happen. And who knows? You know, somebody could be pushing people down one Sunday. It happens. Let's just be honest, charismatics, and say, sometimes we get a little flaky. <laughs> Amen? And so, we'll, we'll address it. So if you see it, you know, being grossly violated, you know, if some guy's doing a tummy rub on a lady's ulcer, I mean, you know, come get somebody and we'll, we'll try to stop that, okay? The eighth principle for the laying out of hands... Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Here's where we pick up communion and switch gears. In a few minutes, we're going to take communion. For God to use us in any kind of ministry, we need to walk in forgiveness. That means if someone offends us, we have to go to them. If we think we've offended someone, we need to go to them. God puts a responsibility on both parties hearts, you know. Well, they offended me. I shouldn't go to them. They should go to me. Well, they may not know they offended you. Or they may not be as mature as you are. We need to walk in forgiveness. If we're not walking in forgiveness and unity, it hinders the flow of the Spirit. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Roman passage. Let's go ahead and start at verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, when we remember Jesus, we remember that he died for us, that he shed his blood for us, that his body was broken for us. The elements of communion represent that. But also, when we think of Jesus, we have to think of one another because he is the head and we are the body. If I'm going to honor Jesus, I really, I really only love Jesus as much as I love you. Oh, no, I love Jesus a whole lot more than I love these people. The way God sees it, our love for one another is equivalent to our love for Him. And so how can I love the head and hate the hand? Or how can I love the head and not be in harmony with the leg? And so therefore, if I take communion in remembrance of Him, I need to remember that I'm part of His body, that He is the head. Verse 25, In the same manner He also took the cup after, say, after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in My blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of Me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. Here's where we're going. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Talking about the manner in which we take it. What is that unworthy manner that would make us that guilty? 
You're going to see here in a minute. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, there it is again, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. There's the unworthy manner. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Now, we have to understand that God relates to us in two ways. He relates to us as individuals, and he relates to us corporately. And you see that? He relates to us as a group, and he relates to us as individuals. And blessing on the group could be hindered by those within the group not appropriately discerning the Lord's body. When I discern something, I value it. I understand it. I walk in a measure of respect towards it. When I discern evil spirits, I don't respect them, but yet I do. I don't play with them. You know what I mean? I understand that reality. And when I understand the reality of the body of Christ... I'm going to walk in a measure of unity. And this could rob me of my own blessing, of healing when I need it, but it would also rob me of the blessing of God using me and ministering healing, which means the members of this church and even non-members coming here could be hindered from receiving what they need from the Lord because we're not walking in unity. Can you see that? So we need that. The laying on of hands means we are the hands of Jesus. And the left hand and the right hand can't be at odds with each other. We are the hands of Jesus. And so we need to respect each other, to discern one another's position in the body of Christ, and to appreciate one another. And so right now, just bow your head in preparation for communion and just say, Lord, is there, is there anyone I'm, I'm out of harmony with? Have, have, I done what, have I done my part to walk in unity? Have I tried and I'm supposed to try again? Or is this just something I'm supposed to remember and hold on to? Lord, I just pray right now you'd help us to examine ourselves, Lord. And if there's anything that needs to be corrected, Lord, help us correct it. Lord, many times people read that passage and they don't take communion, and that's not the point. The point is to examine ourselves and make it right and receive the blessing of communion. And so, Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that, that needs to get on the phone or to go see someone or even two or three people here, Lord, just whatever, Lord, where things may not be right. Lord, I pray if I've offended anyone, Lord, and I'm too dense to know, Lord. I pray you give them the boldness to come to me and say, Alan, you hurt my feelings here or something, Lord. I just pray that unity would flow in this place like a river, unhindered, Lord, so that we can minister healing free of your judgment, Lord, so that there not be any weak or sickly among us and that, so that none would go to an early grave. In Jesus' name.